Amputees move prosthetic hands with their thoughts. Up next on The Scope. Examining the latest research and telling you about the latest breakthroughs. The Science and Research Show is on The Scope. I'm talking with Dr. Greg Clark, Associate Professor of Bioengineering at the University of Utah. Dr. Clark, I love your work because you're turning what sounds like science fiction into reality. Tell us what you're doing. One example of what we're trying to do is to restore sensory function and motor function back to people who may have lost their hands in long-term amputations. So one of the limitations with present prostheses is having enough control over them. The limitation Mm -hmm. isn't simply in making a hand. That's an engineering challenge, to be sure, and a very real one. But even if you have that hand, the problem is how does the user control it? Especially if they've lost a lot of their limb, they don't have very many muscles left. So what Mm -hmm. do they use? And one idea is to plug that hand right into the user's own nervous system. The brain thinks about moving just as it normally does with a normal hand. The signals come flying down the nerve just as they normally would. And if we can wiretap into that nerve and capture those signals and translate them and send them to the artificial hand, the hand would move just as it always did. So one of the beautiful aspects of that approach is the person doesn't have to learn anything new. They don't have to learn anything counterintuitive. Well, and and I think one of the amazing things is that this, this has gone beyond the planning stages. I mean, you've actually been able to try parts of this with people, correct? Yes, and we're not the only ones. Mm-hmm. This actually builds on a pioneering technology and set of studies done here a long time ago, over a decade ago at the University of Utah by one of my present colleagues, Dr. Douglas Hutchinson and Ken Horch and, and others. And they showed that, perhaps surprisingly, the nerves that used to be attached to the hand still work even after the hand is lost. And that opens up lots of possibilities, both for capturing motor signals, but also talking back to the user and providing sensory experiences. And that's another interesting aspect of it, is that the user will not only be able to just move their hand, like you said, they can also feel the hand. What would they be able to feel? Just pressure or pain or... We're, we're hoping not to activate pain finding. <laughs> so there's really two important aspects of this. And the best way to think about it is to imagine yourself picking up an object. So imagine picking up, say, a styrofoam cup filled with water. Close your eyes, reach out, grab that cup, pick it up, and you know what it is. Mm -hmm. That's almost self-evident, but think about what it means. So in our brains, without our even being consciously aware of it, we take all of this type of sensory information and build this mental image. So although we call it a sense of touch, it actually conveys lots of information Mm -hmm. about pressure. That's Mm -hmm. one example. About vibration when we first hit it about where our hand is in space, the shape of our hand, both from stretch receptors in our skin and also from joint receptors that tell us what our joint angle is and also from muscle receptors that tell us how we're contracting our muscles. So the two basic types of sensory experience we want to be able to restore are the sense of touch and the sense of movement so that the person can move his or her own hand through space and know where it is without having to watch it Mm -hmm. but actually feel it. And in the end, we hope that this very rich sensory experience will allow the person to integrate the hand into their own body image and so that the hand will feel like part of themselves. So you're, you're really sort of the technology behind this, this ability to move things with their thoughts and to feel. And There's many aspects to that mm-hmm. technology, and mm-hmm. one is actually developing the electrodes, the mm-hmm. actual interface that will plug into the nervous system. But if you think about it just a moment more, there's other aspects of that that are very, very challenging and, and extraordinarily important. And one reason this is a huge multidisciplinary project is that all of these have to work in order for it to work together. 
So, for example, suppose I had the perfect electrode technology and I could record the neural signals coming down the nerve, I still have to know how to interpret those Mm. and then send them to the muscles. So a big part of our project is doing what's called the decode, that is the interpretation of the signals. Another aspect of it is talking back to the nervous system so that the user can understand that the hand has just touched something or that it's moving through space. And Mm -hmm. that's called the encode problem. That is Mm -hmm. sending information into the brain in such a way that the the user understands what's out there in the real world. And then there's the whole clinical aspect of it. And then we also have testing the user's ability to use a real physical hand. And so the real benchmark is how well does this prosthetic hand compare with a real biological hand? This must have an incredible kind of emotional or psychological impact on on the person who's using it. Indeed it does. To date, we've done four human subjects. They have been able to control an advanced prosthetic hand uh, on in virtual realities, that is, on a computer screen. And they've also been able to get a sense of touch and movement back from that virtual hand. And it truly is emotional, as you say. Um, one user describes it as uh, the loss of a hand is like losing a family member, except mm. you're reminded of it every day of your life. And so as he sat there using it for the first time, it turned out that we provided movement back to him 21 years to the day after he yeah. lost his hand. And he could watch it and see it move again. And one time we began also to provide sensory feedback to him. He could feel his hand, and he described what he had been through. He had been through some 10 surgeries, and after his hand was first damaged, they tried to save his thumb, and it didn't quite work. And he went back again over and over and over again 10 times to try to save it. And ultimately, it didn't work, and he said, just please take it, take it away. Mm. And then that day, it woke up again for the first time, and he could feel it, and he could move it. And it was truly overwhelming experience for him. And that's what we hope to be able to do, is to restore a sense of touch and motion back to to individuals, including wounded warriors who have given their literally their arms for our country. But also, we hope this technology to disseminate into the larger community. What was your reaction when you saw this technology work with a real person? One of the truly poignant aspects is that you do get to know them. We work together with them, and they become truly a part of the team. They tell us what it's like and what Mm. they like and what they don't like, and we try to incorporate that into present work and future designs. And to be honest, they win your heart as well as your mind. Mm -hmm. And when you can begin to restore some of that sensation and motion back to them and see how important it is to them, you share a little bit in that joy. Interesting. Informative. And all in the name of better health. This is the Scope Health Sciences Radio.